Hermione hovered in the doorway of Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, which she had been doing for most of their visit, and checked her watch again. It wasn't that she didn't like Fred and George, but she didn't need her hair to be any worse than it was, and Fred's casual mention of some new product called Barber's Bedazzler had done nothing to set her at ease. She wasn't in the mood for green hair, or blue hair, or no hair at all. There was nothing she'd put past the twins. What? No hug goodbye? George called out from across the shop, grinning mischievously over Ginny's shoulder as he hugged her. See you next week, Hermione replied coolly. Fred rolled his eyes at her, but she only arched an eyebrow and shrugged, trying to tell him that if he were any sort of trustworthy person, then she wouldn't have to stand in the door. Bye, Jen, Fred said, and Ginny joined Hermione at the door, carrying the shopping bag that held her dress robes and books, and a small bag containing a new invention of the twins. Hermione looked dubiously at the bag. No worries, Hermione, dear, George sang after them cheerfully. I'm sure our thoughtful little sister will never use them on you. Fred nodded solemnly, but I reckon she'll share them with Ron, and we can't vouch for his behavior. Ginny pressed her mouth shut on a smile and bid her brothers goodbye, and Hermione left the shop beside her, letting her thoughts travel a well-worn path. She believed, in fact, she was almost entirely certain, that she would spend the rest of her life with Ron. They'd never talked about it. It just seemed part of them. It was a wonderful thing to know, but it made encounters with the twins twice as troublesome, because Fred and George seemed to know it too, and they'd adopted her as sort of a second sister, someone new to torture. Hermione knew she ought to have a better sense of humor about the whole thing, the way that Ginny did. But then, Ginny was a veteran of every variety of playful torment, while Hermione wasn't sure if she ever would be, not even if she did become part of the Weasley family. She did her best to put such official thoughts out of her mind, though it was hard to do with dress robes for a wedding swinging in the bag beside her. Getting married to Ron was a long way off. There were things that she wanted to try first, things she needed to try, like going to the Thinker, which she was planning to do in just a week, and still hadn't told Ron about. At this point, it wasn't going to be pretty. Mind if I just pop into Honeydukes? Jenny's voice broke into her thoughts. Hermione shook her head and perched on one of Hogmeade's street-side benches to wait, absently tracing the head of a griffin, the claws of a manticore, and the widely spread wings of a dragon, which were carved expertly into the wooden arm. She had to tell him today. There was simply no excuse for waiting any longer. The summer had been wonderfully free from tension, excepting the arrival of Draco Malfoy, which had proved, after all, to be little more than a nuisance, and she hated to walk right into a row, especially since, just this morning, everything had been so pleasant. She and Ron had gone on a really lovely walk. They discussed how uplifted Harry had seemed lately, and how wonderful it was that Ginny had managed the wolfsbane potion. And then Ron had maneuvered her into the woods behind the house, and pinned her up against a tree, to kiss her until she could barely breathe. Or at least, he thought he had maneuvered her. Hermione smiled to herself. He wasn't the only one with strategies. Well, I'm done. Ginny was back, frowning at her receipt. That's it for me. I can't spend another canut until September. She shook her head. And I still have to pay Harry back for those things we used in the potion. Hermione forgot her own troubles for a second. He'll never let you pay him back, she said. 
wishing it was her place to ask just exactly what was happening between Jinny and Harry these days. They'd seemed quite together. Jinny pocketed her receipt and shrugged. It's not up to him, is it? She smiled. I'm going to go to the three broomsticks and use the fireplace. Shall we have a butterbeer before going back? No, Hermione said, growing pensive again. I have to get back and talk to Ron before he goes to work. She glanced at Jinny guiltily. I still haven't told him. About the thinker? Jinny didn't look surprised. Well, he hasn't burnt the place down, so I sort of figured. It's all right, Hermione, she corrected quickly, and Hermione realized that her anxiety must be evident on her face. He'll get over it. You just tell him. And if he acts like a prat, you tell me, and I'll use these on him. She held up the small bag of whatever horrid thing it was that Fred and George had given her, and Hermione tried to smile. Spider eggs, Ginny giggled. They hatch. The spiders disappear in a matter of seconds, of course, but all the same, they'll be nice to have handy. Hermione did laugh at that and shook her head. Don't. He'll lose his mind. Oh, and look who's talking, Ginny retorted, snickering. What's that supposed to mean? Hermione, if anybody's been doing a bang-up job of making Ron lose his mind for the past seven years, it isn't me. She smiled. I'll see you at home. Good luck. And, by the way, Jenny set down her bags and hugged Hermione tight. I'm so happy for you. I think you're making a great decision. Hermione watched Jenny leave, wishing very much that she could have her hand to hold while she broke the news of her departure to Ron. Though, she reflected briefly, if he was any kind of boyfriend at all, she should be able to hold his hand for comfort when she was through telling him her plans and goals. A pang in her stomach told her she was setting her hopes rather high, but she ignored it. Ron was an adult. They were out of school. He'd managed to see reason, eventually. Hermione screwed up her courage, shut her eyes, and disapparated. Once home, she set down her bags and spent more than a necessary amount of time unpacking her new dress robes. She performed an ironing trick on them, then stood back and admired their color. She hoped that Scarlet wasn't too daring. After all, it had been the color of Gryffindor Quidditch robes, then smoothed them with her hands several times before finally hanging them on the hook inside the closet door. Tapping her fingers on her hips, Hermione looked around her room for something else to do. But the beds were made. The bookshelf was organized in alphabetical order. The clothes were all hung up. Crookshanks had been fed, and even the shoes in the closets were in straight lines. Hermione made a move to organize Ginny's desk for her, but stopped with a sigh, knowing that she was only cleaning in order to avoid talking to Ron, and that it was stupid to wait. Stupid, and not very brave. Taking a deep breath, she left the girls' room and strode purposefully downstairs and into the sunroom at Lupin Lodge, where Ron liked to relax before leaving for his shifts at the pub. Sure enough, he was sitting in Remus's father's old armchair, his long legs stretched out and his feet crossed, reading one of his old comic books and nursing a glass of cold pumpkin juice. Hermione had entered the room quietly, and he didn't notice her until she was standing directly in front of him, blocking the light coming in through the window. He looked up with a grin and turned the comic book around to show her the page he was reading. Tell me, he joked, is this how muggle women typically dress? No wonder Dad encouraged us all to take muggle studies. 
Hermione pulled up a chair next to him and leaned in to look more closely at the woman that Martin Miggs seemed to be rescuing from a supermarket. She laughed and answered truthfully, I'm sure that some muggle women do dress that way, but no one in my family. He laughed as well and turned the comic book back around to give the page another appraising look. Pity, he said wryly. Then he threw it on the table, punched her lightly on the arm, and asked, So, what are you doing now? It was an invitation. Ron was smiling at her and looking at her in that way he had. It was smiling and serious and entirely focused on her and made her feel warm all over. Hermione wanted nothing more than to climb into his lap and tell him she wasn't really doing anything and did he have any good ideas? But she couldn't. For a moment she thought she might be sick and she opened and closed her mouth several times before speaking. Finally she summoned her Gryffindor courage, took one of his large hands in both of hers, and said evenly, Actually, I wanted to talk to you about something. She could see him tense a bit, but held on to his hand, stroking the top of it lightly with her fingers. Speaking one sentence didn't make it any easier for her to begin a second one. Still, she attempted a joke. It's all right, she said lightly. I'm not running off with Martin Miggs or anything like that. It's just... Well, I've decided on a career. I know what I want to do. Really? Ron sat up in the chair and looked eagerly at her. You've chosen something? So what is it? Department of International Magical Cooperation? That one sounded perfect for you, and Dad'll be thrilled. He's been hoping you join the ministry. Hermione laughed shortly and shook her head. Your dad's really nice to me, she said, and held on to Ron's hand a bit more tightly. But I'm not going to be working for the Ministry, at least not yet. She stared at Ron, trying to communicate with her eyes, and he stared back blankly, as though purposely not getting what she was on about. He was going to make her spell it out. Knowing that she was moments away from an argument, Hermione was surprised to discover that the knot in her stomach had disappeared, and instead she was nearly trembling with anger. He wasn't going to support her decision, she just knew it and it was selfish of him. Somehow, the anger gave her much more confidence than the fear had. She straightened and smiled brightly. I'm going to apprentice with the thinker. The hand that Hermione was holding slid away from her grip, and Ron used it to run his fingers through his hair. After a long moment, during which Hermione sat breathless with anticipation, Ron said, So, you've heard from her, then? Taking this to be a sign of encouragement, Hermione shook her head and explained. No, I haven't. I mean, I'm not even sure that I'll be allowed to do it. I'm just going to show up and see if she'll take me. Really? So there's a chance that she won't take you? The hope in his voice was about as subtle as a howler. Hermione felt her face grow warm and even her legs were shaking. He didn't want to know about the thinker. He didn't want to know why she wanted to do it. He didn't care what was involved in the training or what she might be able to accomplish for her parents when she returned to England. He wanted her to stay in England so she could come home every day from some boring ministry job and snog on the sofa. Deep down, she told herself that she should be flattered that he didn't want her to go away, but that wasn't helping her mood. Hermione crossed her arms and answered in a voice that she knew sounded snippy. There's always a chance, but I think it's very unlikely that I'll be turned away. The hopeful look in Ron's face faded away and was replaced by an expression that Hermione had never seen before. 
It was neither angry nor sad, just blank. Hermione wasn't sure how to react. They sat in silence for what seemed like forever. She could handle Ron in a rage, Ron visibly sulking, Ron cracking jokes, and Ron hurling insults. But this new, silent version was difficult to interpret. She thought carefully about what she wanted to say, and tried to figure out a way to word it so that it wouldn't sound as though she were being entirely self-centered and annoyed. Ron, you realize that this is something that I have to do. He turned to face her, and she felt a surge of relief to see anger in his expression. Must be nice, he said coldly. What must be nice? Knowing what you want to do with your life. So that's what was bothering him. Hermione snorted derisively. He was the one who was self-centered, not she. Ron, I don't know what I want to do with my entire life, but this is an opportunity that is presenting itself now, and I'll never forgive myself if I don't give it a try. I'm doing this because it's the only way I see fit to try to help my parents. I can't very well help them if I'm off trying to improve relations between Bulgaria and Morocco, can I? I understand how you feel. You have no bloody idea how I feel, Ron erupted, jumping out of the chair and looking down at her furiously. Hermione stood as well, but he continued to boil over, pointing at her. You've always been in control, all the time. You've always had drive and ambition and ability. You have no idea what it feels like to work in a pub and not know where you're heading. None. Lines of anger appeared on Ron's forehead, and his fists were clenched at his side. Hermione was so stunned by his outburst that for a moment she couldn't say anything at all. He was jealous of her? Maybe, she finally managed, her throat very dry, maybe it's a good thing that I'm going away. She shook her head and moved to the door, knowing exactly what jealousy brought out in Ron, and wanting nothing to do with it. If he wanted to act like a little boy, then fine. She didn't need him, she thought angrily. She didn't need anyone but herself and her parents. She knew it was an unfair way to think. Ron had been by her side through everything, but Hermione felt trapped by his reaction and motivated to fight back. Maybe I'm stifling you by being here. She stopped and turned to face him, not bothering to disguise a bitter tone in her voice and unable to believe the direction that this conversation was heading. Oh, so what are you saying? asked Ron sarcastically, crossing his arms in front of him. She said the first words that came to her. I knew you wouldn't want me to leave. I knew you were going to make this hard on me. I didn't know you were angry with me for just having opportunities. If I misunderstood you so much, and you can't be happy for me, or at least just support me, and if you don't want me around, then I'll make it easy. I don't have to wait until September. I can go back to the borough tonight. Hermione winced, realizing how silly she sounded. The threat was a bit weak. Returning to the borough was hardly escaping from Ron's life, but what option did she have at the moment? She didn't have any place else to go, unless she wanted to set up permanent residence in her parents' room at St. Mungo's, or at her old house, where the walls still had scorch marks. Ron's face was so pale that every freckle stood out like a tiny pinprick. He opened his mouth. Thinking he was going to yell, Hermione took a step back and waited, but he didn't speak. He only stared, and then turned and walked steadily out of the room without another word. He slammed the door so hard upon leaving that several of Remus's books toppled from their shelves. Left alone, 
Hermione let out a sob. She ran to the window, pushed the curtain aside with trembling fingers, and peered out. It took all of her willpower not to race after Ron. She could see him heading into the forest behind Remus's house, along the well-trodden path. He had a large stick in his hand, and was mercilessly banging on trees as he passed them. Anger and compassion fought for the strongest hold on her emotions. Why couldn't he be happy for her? Why couldn't he just embrace her, and tell her she was doing the right thing, and write her letters when she was gone? It was so silly. She'd be back by Christmas. It was just like being apart over the summer holidays. Hermione watched Ron disappear into the trees without looking back once, and she felt her anger return. It wasn't her fault if he didn't feel like working at the pub. She would go to the thinker. She would leave the day after Lavender's wedding. She would do whatever it took to become the next apprentice at Cortona, and she would find out everything she could in order to help her parents. No one was going to stand in her way, not even a tall, lanky redhead who happened to make her head spin. Giving another sob, she leaned her forward on the glass and closed her eyes.